You're listening to the 49 Carats Podcast, a 49ers goldmine production with Stephanie Sanchez. What is going on, everyone? Welcome to another edition of the 49 Carats Podcast. I'm your host, Steph. It is Wednesday, January 24th, and we got another game week because the 49ers are one of the four teams left in the playoffs, about to play in the NFC Championship game against the Lions. But there's some there's some things that kind of are floating in the air about Debo Samuel that, you know, could dictate how this game goes. We want to talk about that. But joining me to talk all about it is Wayne Breezy and John Chapman. How are you guys doing today? Yo, yo, yo. What's going on, Faithful? What's going on, Steph? John, how y'all doing? Ah, oh, living the dream, man. Glad to be here. It's been oh, a long season. It's been a great season. But, man, I, I'm so excited because – the last game was a little rough. I'm still waterlogged, but uh, I'm excited to right the ship. And I know we got the dub against the Packers, but that's not the way this 49ers team wins. And I want to return to complete domination, which I think is what the Lions deserve. I'm just going to be honest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're, they're gaining some confidence here. And, and there's only one team that can stop them. That would be the 49ers. Uh, but like I mentioned, I mean, Debo Samuel, his status is still floating in the air. The latest update we had gotten from Kyle Shanahan came on Monday. I'm sure we'll get another one later today. But all we know right now is that his shoulder injury, there was nothing broken, any of the x-rays. Uh, but he's still in a lot of pain. So Kyle left it up to Wednesday. See how he's feeling Wednesday, and we'll know a little bit more if he's able to practice. Of course, if he's able to practice at any capacity, it's probably a good sign. And I also saw this uh, yesterday. Greg Bishop from Sports Illustrated put out a special uh, MMQB to discuss why Debo Samuel is the team's X-Factor. And it went on to include this quote from a 49ers source that says the team is cautiously optimistic, maybe even more than that on Debo, but no one wants to jinx it. Uh, so, of course, like we know how important Debo is for this team um, and not just for his play, but for his energy as well. And you lose some of that energy when, you know, he's on the sideline and he's not suited up. Um, and so the 49ers were able to squeak out a win without Debo against the Packers, you know, all very impressive because in addition to Debo not being out, there were a lot of other, uh, you know, chips stacked against them in that one that they were able to overcome. But this is the, the first time they've won without Debo all season. How important is Debo uh, for the 49ers in this next game against the Detroit Lions? Yeah, Debo's the X factor. Uh, and the reason why he's the X factor is literally the way you're allowed, you know, are able to use him. And so, um, you know, Kyle Shanahan predicates his offense off the run. We know that even though we haven't been seeing it, but it's also the plays that you get with our, which are the extension of the run games, which is where Debo literally thrives in. We talk about the screens, the jet reverses, all, all those type of plays where Debo can kind of get the ball and just be a dynamic player. And so, yes, we have other players, we have other weapons, but what Kyle likes to do is stretch the field, you know, this way, like, you know what I'm saying? And so, like, with Debo's not there, it kind of changes up uh, the way Kyle Shanahan, kind his vision, it, it changes his vision just a tad bit. So for me, 
Uh, Debo allows Kyle Shanahan and the offense to flourish in that sense, and it opens up the field more, especially for a quarterback like Brock Purdy, who likes to get the ball out of his hand quick, who likes to take his shots down the field. When he's not stretching the field this way, uh, it's a little it's a little different, and then everything has to be like right in front of him. And I just feel like the other players on the team are great at what they do, but not great at what Debo does. And so when Debo's not there the offense is a little stagnant. It's a little different. And it's always been that it's been that way because D, if I'm, if I'm being honest, the most dynamic player in the playoffs for the San Francisco 49ers has been Debo Samuel every single time they're in the playoffs. Like he's just been the guy. And the question we would ask ourselves, especially us three is why are we, why do we stop giving them the ball? Oh, they figured out the run. What? It didn't even make sense. No one figures Debo out because D, we don't. We never know what he's going to do when he gets the ball in his hand. Will he get tackled for, for a loss? Absolutely. But then there's a play where we'll get an explosive play. So you take him off the field, it kind of changes it up. The real question is, if Debo doesn't play, how will Kyle Shanahan plan to still continue to stretch that field horizontally? And I think in that Green Bay game, it just wasn't – that wasn't the game plan – that was the game plan, but you weren't expecting to not have your X factor. Yeah, and shout out to Wayne. He's been calling Debo the X factor for since before I can remember. And so, I, you know, Wayne, credit to you. And, you. And really, like, if you look at Debo, right? Like, we always talk about Nick Bosa, and he's unbelievable. But Debo was drafted in 2019. Since he's been drafted, we've been in four out of five NFC championships. But when Debo hasn't played, the 49ers have a losing record. Losing record without Debo in that same time period, even though the teams are beyond successful. And I, I really think that Debo, one of my favorite things is like looking at the evolution of defenses um, over time. And we're kind of in this, even though Vic Fangio's back, this post Vic Fangio defensive era where everybody wants to put a shell or a roof on top of the defense to keep everything contained underneath. And defenses want to force checkdowns to not allow these explosive plays. Well, then comes Debo. Well, that's cool. You're going to force us to check it down to Debo, and you might have like a nickel corner or a safety that's responsible for him. Debo's just going to run through his soul. And, and so like Debo came at the perfect time of NFL, you know, concept defenses, and he's taking advantage of it. So uh, you need to have him. I think he's going to play. And even if he's not 100% with that rotator cuff, a lot of times you struggle lifting your arm. You can yeah. still hand him the ball. You can still kind of do some screen work. So Debo's playing the percentage of health for Debo. That's what's going to be interesting to see. But even just – him on the field is enough for defenses. I mean, they have to respect him. Right. And so mm -hmm. you bring up a good point, John, like with, with the shoulder, like you do lose some mobility and, and that's, you know, kind of, I think what's going on with him in addition to the pain, which is a lot that he would have to play through. Um, but that mobility as well, well, you can still carry the ball, you know, if you right. can't lift your arm so much, but maybe as a receiver, you know, he wouldn't be as effective. So just something to keep an eye on throughout this week. But I think if he can suit up and he could even be out there, I think that's a boost to this team, both emotionally and physically out there. I'm sure, you know, he can he can still block and, and all that, hopefully. We saw that week four against the Cardinals when he was banged up week three. Yeah. And sure. he goes out there and he had three rush attempts, no passing uh, targets. Like, and so he was a decoy plus. 
And, and I think that's kind of worst case scenario for the 49ers. You do a couple jet sweeps with them. You let them get a carrier to let them line up, run a couple routes. That's worst case. And then you've kind of filtered in some other guys, but we've seen the 49ers do that this season. And the offense was humming. Then the Cardinals defense was bad. It's actually not as bad as the lions defense collectively, but anyway, I, we'll get to that a little bit later. Right. And uh, Peachy says here, I hope we're going to talk about Colin Coward. Uh, what a piece of uh, trash emoji. Um, yeah, I was I was debating whether or not I wanted to include this in the show. But, uh, you know, Peachy, you brought it up. So I'm going to play this clip of Colin Coward, you know, saying ridiculous stuff like he usually does. We view them as creative and unpredictable and clever. They are with Debo. But I'll argue when you take Debo out of the Niners, they're actually a very traditional offense with one deep receiver, an old school physical tight end, and a dominant running back. Think about this. With Debo, the Niners win 70% of their games. Without Debo, they're the Raiders. Yeah, he was going to say eight and nine, but to say, to say that without Debo, the 49ers or the Raiders uh, is is pretty crazy. I don't know if he was just talking about the record, but of course, that's the quote that everyone is running with. And of course, the show uh, put that quote in that tweet, you know, so they get those clicks. But he does have a point, you know, if you look at the splits for this 49ers team with and without Debo, I mean, it is <laughs> it is a pretty telling uh you know stat here and he is right with uh, with Debo they went about 70% of their games and they averaged 26.8 points per game 138.5 rush rushing yards per game and without Debo 47% win percentage 24.2 points per game 118.1 rushing yards per game um and so yeah i mean it, it, it's facts like we we can't really argue too much with this and I think we already know this like Debo is huge to this team and it's the impact but I want to ask you guys this because I think we've seen a lot of people criticize or just question Kyle Shanahan and maybe like his play calling when he loses Debo and I, I want to talk about it in two ways because there's moments where you lose Debo in game. And that's, I, to me, in my opinion, I think that's a little harder to adjust from. Uh, and, and Wayne, you said earlier, no one on this team could do what Debo does. So that in itself, if you have a lot of plays drawn up specifically for Debo to do a certain thing and do what he does, I mean, you kind of have to scrap those plays. And if you keep them in, like we saw, uh, you know, on, on Saturday, <laughs> Jawan Jennings is, is probably not going to work out the same way. So, you know, in game, I have different thoughts. But, you know, we also saw Kyle Shanahan coach a couple of games without Debo um, when he didn't have him for the entirety of the game. And he knew he wasn't going to have him the entirety of the game. And I feel like even though in those games, people criticized like, you know, the play calling and, and maybe lack of creativity and all that. What are you guys' thoughts on how Kyle Shanahan should be preparing? You know, I mean, he has to prepare for both scenarios this week. Yeah, I mean, this is what a head coach is all about, right? Being prepared for whatever scenario 
you know, you, you're you kind of faced with. Uh, and if I'm Kyle Shanahan, I got a plan A with Debo. I got a plan B without him. I don't scrap all the plays. You know what I'm saying? Because, you know, it, it, you still have you still have weapons. Um, but there's plug and play. Like there's, you're not going to get the same result without a Debo. That, do, but that doesn't mean you have to, like, like get rid of the 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 jet sweeps and things like that. Because there was a guy that ran a jet sweep play for a touchdown a year ago. And why not utilize the quicker twitch wide receiver out of the backfield? And see, to me, that's the key. So Ray Ray McLeod, if you line him up, I don't give a care if they you put him in the backfield and they know he getting the ball. Give him the opportunity. It's better than him getting that opportunity than Jawan Jennings getting the opportunity where they'll tee off and they'll just run. I, I guarantee you they'll have tougher time trying to stop a quicker guy like Ray Ray McLeod. And so that's what I'm saying. Like it comes down to uh, Kyle Shanahan just, you know, still finding ways to be creative. Don't get rid of all the creativity, uh, but you still can be creative. And look, what's wrong with I didn't I didn't have issues with Coward's take. Um, I mean, if you want to be mad because he kind of called us the Raiders, fine. But he was spitting facts. And this is my point. I keep saying that he's the X factor and you just put the goddamn stats up. So what what did he say wrong? Because that's my issue. So the issue is Kyle Shanahan. Figuring it out. It's just him going back to the drawing board and say, okay, I don't have my Debo, but I have these guys. Let me figure it out with these guys. And even if he had to go to basic football game plan, you got other weapons. So why not utilize their their strengths? And and that that's my issue. You we, we talk about these good run stuff defenses, right? Baltimore had a had top three. Before the Lions even bumped up into the top five, when we played the Ravens, they were top two because the Niners was top two. We ran the ball on them, and then we stopped. Make it make sense. We're going to play the Lions without or with Debo. We can run the ball on top defenses. You just got to do it. And for me, it's just like Kyle Shanahan won't do it. And if Kyle Shanahan just does it, there's a possibility that it works. And and we, and we've witnessed it. We've witnessed when when the Packers had a top passing defense, or the Vikings had that top passing defense, and we had a, another quarterback in there that almost threw interceptions. What did Kyle do? He ran the ball. And so I don't understand why that isn't part of his game plan. And he has plethora of running backs he can use. So you don't even have to work low to CMC. But Kyle has to figure out his how he's going to uh, utilize the players and still be creative at the same time. That's the that to me that's the issue. It's it's not a Brock. It's not a missing Debo. It's the head coach finding ways to be creative, and then those players have to execute. Yeah, and I think you can game plan for that when you know it's coming. But in the three-game skid we saw without Debo earlier, we, we never saw that. We, we never had over 24 rush attempts in the Browns, Vikings, Bengals, or Packers game, games that Debo wasn't in. Just, again, back it up what Wayne said, completely abandoning the run. Now, having said that, the Browns was a two-point game. The Vikings was a five-point game, and this was a three-point game. Still abandoning the run, and even though you're having success. And so, like, I, I'm just backing up what Wayne has said. Look, Debo's not out there, and that's kind of Kyle's comfort blanket. Uh, <laughs> and you've got to be able to be a little uncomfortable, and you don't have to rely on just pass, 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 pass anytime something is just not going according to plan. And so I, I don't know. Now, I will say this, and – I, I've, I've kind of been harking this bit a little bit this week. 
the Detroit Lions defense is kind of Shanahan proof because they're so bad on the back end. They are terrible. They maybe the worst corners in the NFL, and I don't even think that's a stretch. Their safeties are decent, but they are the worst passing defense of any team in the playoffs, and it's not even close. Might be the worst passing defense in the past five years um, of the NFL playoffs. You could throw for 350 yards on them easily. Uh, they've given up five straight games of over 300 yards passing. So even if Kyle says, look, Debo's not 100%, I'm going to throw the ball 39 times in the rain. It's not raining this week. It was last week. Like, I still think that the advantage goes to the 49ers, but I would prefer to have 30-plus rushing attempts instead of 30-plus passing attempts this week. Yeah, and and the Lions have, you know, kind of a, a porous uh, pass defense, but their run defense is top two in the league. So that's also why I think it's important to have Debo out there because then you have two threats in the run game and two guys who can – you know, potentially explode for a chunk play uh, just because they're that good. Um, and in this season alone, the 49ers are 12 and two um, and have averaged 31.4 points, 412.40 yards in games that Debo has finished. They are one in three. The one is, is the game we saw this Saturday. They're one in three and have averaged 18.8 points, 339 yards in games in which Samuel hasn't played or has left in the first half. Um, I've seen a lot of people, you know, bring up the fact that, oh, well, this is a big game. It's NFC championship. Put up or shut up. Debo Samuel has to gut it out and he has to play because of how important this game is. Uh, And, you know, on the other side, you know, I see, uh, is it Frank Ragnow? Is that his first name? Ragnow, uh, the center for the Lions you know, he's dealing with a, a sprained knee and a sprained ankle, and he plans to play on uh, Sunday. So you just kind of get those two perspectives um, from fans I, that I think think that, okay, well, this player is going to play because he knows how important this game is. Debo should do the same thing. Curious your guys' thoughts They don't even that. compare. It's yeah, two yeah. it's two different positions and we're talking mobility. We're talking, you know, it, it's just two different positions to compare uh, the pain tolerance. You're talking about a guy that that can't even move. his He couldn't move his shoulder. And so what do you want him to do? Run the run the ball. You, you ever been you ever go you ever ran? You, you use your arms. You know, you're trying to gain your arms are pumping. Right. And if you can't pump an arm. <laughs> right you're like dead in the tracks and so it's a little different you know when you're on a uh, offensive line your first step is back and you're just trying to keep a guy away from the quarterback opposed to a guy who's trying to make a play out there on the football field so like I don't question Debo's toughness I don't question any of that like who am I to say that this player isn't playing through pain and things like that I think they all are uh, I think Debo no one knows how you no, no one knows how important this game is more than Debo Samuel. You're talking about a player that literally broke down on national television and cried because they lost to the Rams to get to the Super Bowl that year in the NFC Championship because they didn't give him the ball. So how are we going to be happy then and then be mad now when he's hurt? I mean, come on. we As a fan base, we got to do better. And don't yeah. question this dude's toughness. He's trying to gut it out. He had so an he injury earlier there. throughout the year. And he's yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I, I don't do that. I don't do that. That's not me. It's he was running me. with his arm pinned against his side, 
Like Wade said, I mean, he was running with one arm out there. What's going to happen when you throw a ball above your waist? If you ever mess with your rotator cuff, good Lord. I, I tore mine like a year and a half ago. I still struggle with all shoulder. I don't want to know what that feels like. like. It's 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 a whole thing. And shout out to Frank Ragnar. He's an absolute stud. No injuries are the same. And mm-hmm. it's completely different. So shout out to him. He's incredible. For sure. And, like that is awesome. And but to say like Debo, Debo's one of the toughest dudes that is in the NFL. So no, nah, I don't we we were better than that. Yeah, I and that's just I'm glad that you mentioned the distinction between the two injuries. Like no injuries are the same. We don't know how Debo's feeling. We looked we saw how upset he looked coming out of that like x-ray room or whatever room he came out of when they showed him on the broadcast coming out without the pads and all that. He looked very upset. I mean, he wants to be out there as, as much as anyone does, I'm sure. Uh, so I I don't appreciate, you know, people commenting on Debo's post, calling him soft and things like that. If he can play, is if he's physically able to play, he will be out there. That's, that's all we need to know. Um, so, yeah, the 49ers will practice later today, and we'll have a little more information on if Debo uh, practices or not, and that'll tell us a little bit more about his availability for Sunday. But there's some other things I wanted to talk about, uh, how things went down in the game against the Packers. I feel like because the game didn't quite go how we expected to, and you know maybe there were a few certain players and their performances that had to do with that, I want to ask you guys a question. And it's... It's uh, who wants to be a millionaire style. Uh, <laughs> let us That's know awesome. I, and, and chat chime in here. What Which 49ers player after their performance on Saturday are you most worried about against this Lions team? And I'm kind of going to give my reason why I put, you know, some of these guys on here. I mean, some of them are obvious, like Ambry Thomas, you know, two PIs. He seems to be like the, the guy that teams are targeting um, in the secondary. Uh, Chase Young, I think, in particular against the Lions because of their running game. And Chase Young, you know, sometimes struggles setting that edge. Uh, and the Lions have two really good running backs. Uh, Colton McKivitz, because he's going to be lining up against Aiden Hutchinson this weekend. He got a nasty spin move. And, you know, Wayne, you know, he's a, he's a Michigan guy. So <laughs> he could give Colton McKivitz some problems this week. And Brock Purdy, because, you know, he struggled a little bit last week. Maybe it was a little rusty. I don't know, whatever that was. But, you know, these are the four players that I put up here, and I just want to know your thoughts. Who are you most worried about against this Lions team on Sunday? Um, A player that's not on this list. That's fair, too. <laughs> Tell us. Uh, his name is Logan Ryan. And, and, and I just don't think he can tackle uh, or he wants to tackle. So, look, you gave all the scenarios and you broke them down really good. You know, Ambry Thomas struggled last week, but he is always that guy that's going to be targeted. Actually, I'd rather I, I want him to play this week because I don't think he would be that targeted guy uh, this week because that's not where Amon Ross St. Brown's going to line up. He's going to line up more probably in the slot on and on the outside where you want Mooney Ward covering him. So I actually like my chances with Ambry Thomas against some of these other guys, uh, the other receivers that they have. Chase Young, he's, he's, he's just, I'm not worried about him. Colin McKivitz, if I had to pick off this list, would be the guy, would be C for me. Uh, he's going to have to deal with a, with a, with a monster um, yeah. <laughs> uh, with Aiden Hutchison, who just doesn't take a playoff. 
right? And so, or take a he doesn't take a snap off. He his energy is always the same. And so, um, it's it's more about it's more about how it's it's it to me it's Aiden Hutchinson, and then there's a drop. Now I like Kaminsky and those other guys that they got out there, but for me it's Aiden Hutchinson, and then it's a big drop. So possibly that they do well if you chip them a little bit with maybe a little tight end help or or whatnot but if this just one-on-one he'll he'll win some but he'll lose more uh brock party never worried uh and so it would be c it would be colton mckivitz for me yeah, it's between A and C. I was going to go C because of Aiden Hutchinson. If you tell me we don't hear Colton McKivitt's name very often, the 49ers are going to win this game handedly. Um, and shout out to Don Byrne in the chat. I love him playing uh, Devil's Advocate and all that stuff. That's a lot of fun. Appreciate you, brother, and best of luck to you this week. Uh, and I'll, I'll say this, Lions fans have been awesome. You know, after playing the Packers and going through the Eagles and the Cowboys and all the Rams and all this stuff, it's been pretty cool dealing with the fan base. Lions fans have been incredible confident all that stuff but not dirty not trashy not you know like the packers have been so uh shout out to the lions i'm excited about this game they're going to be showing up on sunday i saw vivid seat said close to 20 percent dang 20 percent packers came out with three there were no packers fans there uh so excited to see the lions be out this week that's going to be a lot of fun and happy for them and this is huge this is their super bowl so uh congrats to them yeah, every every game to this point in the playoffs has been their Super Bowl. And yeah. I'm very glad that this game is going to be played in Santa Clara and not Detroit because they had that place buzzing. They I think did. I saw that the the highest decibel was like 144 I mean, <laughs> in their it, stadium. Like that's if you, if, if, you, if you never won a playoff game, yeah. uh and and this is your opportunity to go all the way, your place would be buzzing too. So shout out to yeah. the Lions fans. They're there, but good luck at yep. Levi Stadium. Yeah. All right. So now what I want to do, and and yeah, a lot of people in the comments, you know, kind of said the same thing. Ambry Thomas, there's some Colton McKivitts in there too. Not as much worry about Chase Young. Definitely no worries about Brock Purdy. That is good. Uh, as far as how the 49ers can help out, you know, Ambry Thomas and Colton McKivitts, what what do you guys think they could do? I'm thinking for Ambry, you know, more safety help. And, you know, Wayne, that goes back to Logan Ryan. Logan Ryan's got to be there for his guy uh, and not leave him on an island uh, and have you know what I wish feeling like he has to commit a PI. A- Ambry Thomas is not the greatest cornerback and probably never will be, okay? But it would be cool if he focused more on just being – like a better DB. Can you imagine? I think Henry Thomas would play better at safety. He's a great tackler, and I know that's not what they're trying to get him to do. But Henry Thomas makes that tackle. Like you know what I mean? He 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 can't cover well, but he can tackle well. Uh, he and, had two and, missed tackles though this game. Same and, as Logan and, Ryan. And this particular in this particular game, he didn't have two big he missed tackles. <laughs> like he didn't miss a tackle that went for fifty three yards. That's true. Uh, but they all were like. It just seemed like that 49ers defense was just like not trying to tackle. Like it was weird. That well, game was Rain, weird. Rain probably played a bit of a role. In I, I, I'm, I'm not, not going to disagree Ryan with that. Slip, but yeah. I, now Ryan didn't slip. He kind of did the El Matador and just let him go by. <laughs> Emery did the same thing though. That, that's my point. Like it was like they were a little weird, but I don't know. He That's how you help Emery. As far as Chase Young, they got to set the edge. I don't know what's going on, but you saw even on that run, Nick Bosa out of he had a he had a potential 
opportunity to make a play on that yeah, particular did. run, mm-hmm. and he whiffed. Like, he just didn't try. Mm-hmm. And and so, I don't know. Uh, Colton McKivitz, uh, we talked about getting him some uh, tight end help, whether it's Kittle or... Oh, I would love to see two tight end sets in this game a lot. You know what I mean? I, I would love to see that, uh, whether it's Kittle doing the blocking and the chipping or or um, uh, Charlie Warner. Like, I would love to see it. As far as Brock Purdy, I mean, as far, the only help Brock Purdy needs... Uh, it's just him just continuing to be confident and, and making the right read and making the right play. I would like to see Brock Purdy, like, it's something that we don't see, but I would like to see if that read isn't right in front of him and he has space in front of him, just step up in the lane, take off, run, slide, like, live to the next play. Uh, you don't always have to have a, a completed pass on every play. Because, you know what, y'all, the slander that we hear is because we don't see Brock do that. And so all these other quarterbacks are going to do that. Why? Because of experience. They they know it's not because they're more athletic, which they are, but they just realize, hey, there's no linebacker in front of me. I'm Audi 5,000. I'll get five to ten yards and slide and take my chances. I, I would like to see Brock do a little bit of that uh, in this particular game. Uh, it, it's not about him protecting the ball. It's just about him being decisive. And the more decisive he is, the more confident he is, the more confident he is, it's really hard to beat him because he's going to be in the zone so if Brock gets in the zone this game is over I don't give a f- care what they do on Detroit it's just Brock getting into his zone yeah the, the hate's been crazy and Brock's only answered over and over and over again one of three quarterbacks in NFL history to go to back-to-back championship games in their first two seasons started and it's not even really his first two seasons started he started season and a half I mean, it's awesome. And so I have all the faith in the world in Brock Purdy. There's no issue there, in my opinion. Um, I want to see him go out there and just kind of deliver on a main stage because the last time he was on a main stage was kind of that Ravens game. Uh, But if you go back to the Cowboys or the Eagles, like we've seen him do it. We've seen him do it. So I I want to see him have one of those games where anybody that is anti-Purdy just has to shut the hell up. And that's what I want to see this week. Yeah, I think the 49ers are going to have a plan to help out Colton McKivitz so that Brock Purdy has time. You know, there's a few times in that game against the Packers that, you know, Colton McKivitz couldn't couldn't keep his guy in check and, you know, Purdy had guys getting into his pocket and that impacted a few throws from Brock and and that doesn't get talked about on the broadcast. Sometimes it doesn't get noticed till like really after the game uh, we see the all 22, but there were a number of throws that were impacted by him getting hit by his own offensive lineman because they're getting pushed into the pocket. Now I feel like the Packers had a few guys that you kind of had to be uh, accounting for. And with this Lions defensive line, I feel like it's mostly Aiden Hutchinson. Like, that's your biggest worry. And so I think that helps the 49ers be able to allocate their resources uh, in helping Colton McKivitz a little bit. And so that, you know, with the chipping and all that, if if there's one obvious guy, I think that helps the 49ers. So I I expect them to, to do that this week. And, you know, what you guys said, Brock Purdy, if he gets in a role in this game, it's kind of hard to stop that. Once he gets in a rhythm, he's he's in his bag, and Kyle gets in his bag too. Like They kind of play off of each other really well that way. But I've seen a lot of people, like this is the second week in a row that I'm seeing like Brock Purdy get compared to the quarterback that he's facing last week, all the comparisons of 
Brock Purdy versus Jordan Love. Who would you rather have? Now we're hearing it again this week. Who would you rather have, Brock Purdy or Jared Goff? Why is that even a question? Why is that even a question? We know Jared Goff. We know Jared Goff. And I know a lot of people are looking at what Goff has done in Detroit, and it's really good. Like, I don't want to take that away from him. It's been good. But make no mistake, Jared Goff is Jared Goff. What's having him look good right now, He's he's been behind an awesome offensive line, and that a line that gives him time to throw, and he's comfortable behind that offensive line. He's confident behind that offensive line. And I think all of that is kind of trickling down and, and letting him operate this offense at a really high level. He also has a really nice run game going um, to complement, you know, the pass game. So he has a lot of things going for him uh, with this Lions offense. But why do you think, like, we're even getting this discussion from, like, the national media saying, who would you rather have, Jared Goff or Brock Purdy? And even more, why do you think they're choosing Jared Goff over Brock Purdy. I mean, the the only thing I can think of on why they're choosing to go backwards to answer your question is just the simple fact that, you know, experience. Um, he's been in the league longer. Uh, he just seems to be more dynamic in the passing game. Um, even the, he put up more yards. I, I don't know. I don't know what they go off of. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? But um, um, I, I, I really that lets me know that they're not watching 49er football. They're just watching the stat sheet or, you know, the little thing that scrolled. They probably watch you, you guys got the ESPN app or whatever football app you got. You're trying to keep track of the game and the little ball ticker. They probably watch that. Like if they watch anything, um, they're not watching the games. I will say that I think that when it comes down to the two, um, it's going to come down to, you know, if you ask me which quarterback has more of ability to make plays, I think it's Brock Purdy. If you ask me which quarterback is going to be able to drop back and just throw the ball if he has time, what's going to be Jared Goff? Now, see, the, the the issue is more what are we going to do to counter that? And that is is that's the different factor. And see, I don't think that the Lions have played a defense like the 49ers. The 49ers have played just about every type of defense in the NFL this year. And and, and they and they trumped most of them and they, and they lost to a few. And a lot of the 49er losses, if you go back and watch, John talked about it. Close games, little things that came down to trickling for them not to get the victory, right? A missed field goal or this or whatever, whatever, whatever. So I, I like the opportunity of Brock going out there and doing his thing. Brock had a bad game. Statistically, it was it was bad. The way it looked, it was bad. But no one's factoring in all the other things. And so that's fine. They want to take out the context. They want to put it. It's always going to be a quarterback battle. It's always quarterback against quarterback, uh, no matter what it is. Because next week when we beat these suckers, it's going to be Brock versus the AFC quarterback. And then it's going to come down to, well, is Brock really an MVP candidate? Like, you get what I'm saying? Because not, not Lamar, when, when, when the Chiefs win, because that's what's going to happen. What? Is, is Lamar still the MVP? Because the MVP is supposed to win. MVP is supposed to get it done, and I know the playoffs don't factor into that. Uh, and it's it's you know it's weird to me, y'all. For a week, it was Brock MVP lead the race, and he has the worst game of his career, statistically, statistically, because those numbers hurt him so bad 
in the race, that Baltimore Ravens game. And name, I, I just haven't seen many quarterbacks that can overcome four interceptions and still find a way to win the game. But that that was when you were hoping that the team could kind of find a way. And, and they just they just couldn't because there was a game plan that they just bailed out on. And so when I look at Brock, I look at Jared Goff. I mean, I just see Brock tipping the scale because he's the he's the he's the better quarterback overall. And it's OK that a seventh rounder is better than a first rounder. That's OK. Like, like, accept it. And the NFL doesn't want to accept it. And that's where you get your narratives. John, you can take over. Yeah, I think preconceived notions are huge. And whenever you look at somebody that was drafted first overall versus somebody 262 overall, and then you don't watch film and you're an NFL journalist and whatever else, like you don't break down all 22. You just watch red zone. I get it. You look at the stats. They're close. Jared Goff, 31 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. I'm sorry. that That's pretty, but like, you look at Goff, who's not far behind. I mean, they're almost identical whenever you look at the touchdown to intercept. 30 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. Close. Goff threw for more yards, but Goff threw the ball over 600 times. Brock Purdy, 440. That's 160 different pass attempts to be close to the same thing. And if somebody wanted to take Goff, that's okay. That's their prerogative. He operates well within this system that Ben Johnson runs very, very well. But the efficient quarterback, the explosive quarterback, is Brock Purdy. That should be the answer. And people forget, why is Jared Goff in Detroit? Because of the 49ers. We saw it even with the the Packers today. Just fired their defensive coordinator. The Packers have fired three defensive coordinators because of the 49ers. Colin Kaepernick got Dom Capers fired. We look at Jimmy G and really Raheem Mostert got Petten fired. Uh, and now we've got Barry fired with, with what just happened there. And, and so like the 49ers are the ones that cause all this, I don't know, um, <laughs> mischief throughout the NFC and teams just try to react to it. And Detroit's a great damn football team and a great offensive squad. But you forget how many consecutive games has Jared Goff lost to this 49ers offense, whose scheme has not changed, whose scheme has only gotten better, whose personnel has only gotten better. And that's what I keep going back to. It's still baby chap, baby graph draw, uh, Goff against the 49ers defense. Let's go. <laughs> like, I, I, I'm just, I'm sorry, man. I, I just, I, I like this matchup. The 49ers do have to get pressure. Shout out to my man, William Carey. I saw him in the chat. If you pressure Goff, it's over. Goff's already way worse on the road anyway. Get in his face. You got to hit him. The 49ers have not gotten a lot of pressure um, recently. That's got to change. That has to change. They, they, they get the pressure. They're just not getting the sacks. So, so like, remember back in, the, back in the beginning of the season, we were nervous, and we kept saying, you know, sacks don't matter, and this is when they matter. Yes. Mm-hmm. Hit him. You got to hit him. Mm-hmm. Got to touch the quarterback. One thing I want to mention, too, is, like, Jordan Love is, uh, like, one, the pressure doesn't affect him. So even though there was some pressure there, it didn't feel like it because it wasn't impacting the quarterback at all. And there were a few times he escaped the pocket. Um, Jared Goff, not that elusive, not like he doesn't have the same uh, pocket presence that Jordan Love has. Like I said, I mean, Goff has benefited from having this awesome offensive line in front of him and they've protected him really well. So shout out to Lions for doing that for Goff and, and putting them in that position to be successful. Um, but their left guard is going to be out 
in this game. We know uh, Ragnall is going to play, but maybe obviously not at 100%. So I think there is some opportunity for the 49ers to get some pressure here. You saw Nick Bosa a few times, you know, get into the backfield. You saw Eric Armstead a few times, you know, get into the pocket. So uh, all those things, I think, could make an impact against Jared Goff. All right. And Brennan Gold blooded in the comments here. He says, We are a timing based offense. Brock hadn't played in 20 days. Dude is a franchise quarterback in the making. And we, as the faith, know. Um, and one thing, John, that you mentioned about Jared Goff that I want to go back to his splits, it, you know, when he gets pressured versus when he has a clean pocket, when he is pressured, his completion percentage drops to 53.1. That is 20th in the NFL. In a clean pocket, it's 70.5. That's number six in the NFL. That's a big drop-off. That's a really big drop-off. That tells me, that confirms what we already like knew about Jared Goff, that when he gets pressured, he turns into a different quarterback. The 49ers know this about yeah. him. And so he's got picked to- sixes to Dre Greenlaw and Javon mm-hmm. Kinlaw um, in, his, in, in his past. So, like... Come on, man. Let's put that ball up for for getting the pick six is crazy. You know, like that that takes a special throw. Um, (laughs) but and and also uh golf stats when he's indoors versus outdoors, too, is is actually pretty alarming. You know, the Detroit Lions play in a dome, it's closed off stadium, and so in eleven games this season indoors, he has a sixty-nine percent completion percentage. 2,981 yards, 23 touchdowns, eight interceptions, 15 sacks, 104 rating. Outdoors, now this is six games that he's played outdoors. His completion percentage dropped 64.5%, 1,594 yards, seven touchdowns, four interceptions, 15 sacks. Um, So in almost half the games, he's taken the same amount of sacks. That I mean, I think being at home obviously gives the home team the advantage. Uh, so Jared Goff, you know, really relishing in that, you know, when he's in Detroit, but he's not going to have that advantage. You talked about the 20% of Lions fans are going to make the trip to Santa Clara. I don't know if that's 20% really going to be enough to, you know, eliminate the 80% of 49er fans who are going to be, you know, screaming their head off every time that Jared Goff has the ball. So I don't know. Those are just some splits that I found interesting and something that could, you know, have an impact in this game. Here's how you beat Jared Goff. You ready? Keep his behind inside the pocket, set the edge on the outside so he doesn't get a chance to roll out because that's his only way. That's the only way. And you got to figure out how to eliminate his strength because his strength isn't just getting the ball down the field. Can he do it for sure? That's not his strength. His strength is the check down. How do you how do you eliminate the check down? And that is where Gibbs and Montgomery comes into play. Because I believe the Niners will stop the run. I have zero problems in saying that. I believe that they will find a way to stop the run. I know people are like, oh, we couldn't stop the run against uh, the Aaron Jones. Fine, cool. You can say we didn't. We didn't. You know what they didn't run? They didn't run up the middle, though. So, look, they're going to try the same thing. I don't think Montgomery is more of an outside runner. He's more of an up-the-middle runner. Hey, if you see more Jameer Gibbs, we got to make sure that on those edges, we're setting those edges and those linebackers got to come in there and clean up that and, and eliminate those big plays, those explosive plays on the outside. But I'm telling you right now, the Niners can keep him in the pocket. 
That's where he folds. The pressure is going to be right in front of his face, and he doesn't like to get hit. So you know what he's going to do? Fall down. And you know what you do? Put a pinky on him. Sack. That's what you do. You just pressure him right up his face, set the edge, don't let him get outside to find a one-on-one so he could dump a ball over because that's where that's where he's going to thrive. I remember when he was with the Rams, and I remember that was the one way he used to beat us, right, until we figured it out. We took that away. He has beaten us since. Don't expect him to beat us now. Yeah, Javon Hargrave's huge for me too. You know, the, the, the Lions offensive line is one of the best in the NFL, but – their left guard's out, Jonah Jackson. And uh, Awasika is in there at left guard. That's going to be Hargrave going against him, bull rushing nonstop. That's what I want to see. I want him in the lap of Jared Goff the whole freaking game. Yeah, that definitely feels like the recipe to success. And once you start doing that, I think it'll be enough to get in Goff's head a little bit. And that can have a trickle-down effect, too, as the game goes on. Nick Bingham says, I feel like this game will be like 2020 NFC Championship. I mean, it could be. I hope there's a different outcome uh, <laughs> to it for the 49ers, but it could play out you know, kind of similarly. I have one last question for you guys before I go, and you know, I want to ask John this one first because there's been a lot of talk about Brock Purdy, you know, this week and the national media and all this stuff, you know, the, all, all this hate and just disrespect about our quarterback. But, John, you said that you kind of like the the Purdy slander. Um, why, why, why do you like it? I, I'm just going to say this. Like, different things galvanize teams, Okay. And somebody can make fun of me all they want. That's my love language. I love it when people talk trash. I love that. That's just kind of like, I'm going to smile. I'm going to be happy. Brock Purdy is like, he's just all shucks, you know, all American country boy, whatever. Oh, it doesn't bother me. I don't really listen to that. But do you know who does listen to that? Do you know who listens to social media? It's funny because I get snapshots of people that are like, oh, look, this player saw my post. On Instagram, this mm-hmm. play, like, because it shows you a lot of those 49ers captains pay attention to social media. It's kind of the stuff that's going out there. And you're seeing them talk. You're seeing guys like Ayuk. You're seeing guys like Debo. You're seeing guys like Fred Warner. You're seeing guys come out and say, all right, all right. This, you just gave them bulletin board material without even doing it. I guarantee if you ask Dan Campbell, the Lions, do you like the narrative that's happening about Brock Purdy in the national media? He's going to say no. I wish they would shut the hell up for a week because all you're doing is just bringing this 49ers team together and making them feel like, look, we've got to fight against all these people to protect our guy. They don't need that when they're the one seed home field advantage favored by seven points, all that stuff. It's just you gave them a chip when they didn't need a chip. They had an opportunity to, you know, maybe question themselves after that terrible game, but you still won. It's just all signs pointing towards success. That's what it looks like this week, and that's why I like all the trash. So keep it coming, man. Uh, stop. <laughs> don't watch film. You don't watch film now, otherwise you wouldn't have that take. Keep bringing your trash takes and putting them out there for clicks. We love you. Keep it coming, man. Please. Wayne, you like the trash talk? Yeah, man, it fires me up, man. Look, <laughs> um, you. I know people don't think Brock is listening, but he's listening too. Look, I can't wait to see how many ice-cold blood vein shots we get from this game. I can tell you that right now. Uh, but, I, but I like it uh, because it, it just lets me know that they're not watching him play football. 
and 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 they want to focus on you know him why why does this have to be about him being mvp elite the, the game manager game change it, it, it none of that stuff matters they, they, the 49ers just found a way to beat a team after after trailing in a game like that's what we should be talking about then they moved the goalpost on that and said well it was only a four-point deficit okay <laughs> it's not a five or more point it, it, it just really doesn't matter at the end of the day when it comes to Brock Purdy we know we know what he's what he's capable of. We know what he's going to go out there and do. And usually, after having a bad game, he has a he has a good game. So, I can't wait to see what happens. He's going to be at home. There's no rain. I will put that out there that there's no yeah. rain. Brock in the rain. Rain Brock is different than dry Brock. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> With or without Brock. Debo, rain Brock is different than dry Brock. That's that's facts. And I mean, I know we get pissed off at all the talk of, of Brock Purdy. We kind of take it personally, like how are they going to disrespect our quarterback like that? All this stuff. But, you know, I I knew exactly what your answer was going to be to that question, John. And even Wayne, like it unites this team the same way it unites all us 49er fans. And we're like, hey, like we feel like we got to defend Brock Purdy on Twitter, you know, on social media, because people are talking crazy. The players see the same thing and they have the exact same reaction and they're in the locker room with this guy. So I think the feeling is even stronger for them. The Lions may be the underdog team because of all, you know, all the years uh, they've, they've built up that, you know, the underdog um, mentality and, and what they're doing right now. They're the underdog. But Brock Purdy is the underdog quarterback, and this team is going to rally and has rallied, will continue to rally behind Brock Purdy to make a point for him, with him, all that. So, yeah, I think it really unites this team, and I think it that's that's the kind of juice you need. When you, are, when you aren't the underdog and you're the top dog and everyone's coming for your spot, you kind of need that little chip, that little extra, just to, you know, remember what you're fighting for. You're fighting for something. Um, and you know, it's, it's usually to prove something and the 49ers definitely have something to prove for Brock Purdy. So yeah, I think it is going to be a, a good game from Brock. I'm just kind of predicting that right now. I think we all kind of get the same sense we're not worried about him one bit in this game. Uh, but guys, if you're going to be at that game, you guys better wear red. You guys better get loud. I wanted to get up to 140 decibels at Levi's. All right. Can we do it? I know it's an open stadium, but I'm, <laughs> I'm sure we can make something happen. At least get it to the 115s. All right. Uh, but make sure that you guys like this video. Make sure you subscribe to the channel if you have not yet. Not just mine, but John and Wayne's as well. We have a lot of great playoff content coming for you all week, all through the game, after the game. So make sure you guys keep it locked. Hit that notification bell so you know when we always go live. Audio listeners, follow the pod. Um, make sure that you leave a rating. We love to hear what you guys think. But for now, have a good rest of your Wednesday, folks. Peace.